Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So the Russians got to the drone. Maybe Lindsey Graham was right, the senator from South Carolina. Maybe we got to shoot some missiles at him. Tony, you warmongering freak. I'm just saying, when you watch the video that's out there, oh, and there's video of this Russian jet screwing with one of our drones. Yeah, um, they're incompetent. It's obvious they didn't mean to hit the thing, but they did. It's obvious that they just wanted to screw with America. They didn't want to cause an international incident, uh, but here we are. They did what they did what they did, and now they got to deal with the consequences of it. It seems to me like those consequences should include some type of military response. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. I'm not looking to go to war over a drone. I'm not looking... To start a fight, neither, by the way, is General Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. As far as an act of war goes, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there. Incidents happen, um, and and uh, clearly, uh, we do not uh, seek armed conflict with uh, with Russia, and uh, and and I believe that uh, uh, at this point we should investigate this incident uh, and move on from there. But we will continue to exercise our rights in international airspace. Yes, and so you should, uh, but what we're discussing here is what do you do now? What's the plan now? Where you have a drone that's in the water. I mean, it's in there. You have a drone in the water. Some people think it's four to 5,000 feet deep. It's very hard to get it out. And the Russians, who did this, are now going to get access to your technology. Um, huh. Well, that's an interesting, interesting thing now, isn't it? How does one deal with that? How does one respond to that? You may argue that the debris has already sunk too far for recovery. That would be the best reaction, the best response from this. But it doesn't solve the problem of what's your plan for the future? General Milley doesn't want to seek conflict. He is not wrong. However, the conflict may very well want to seek you. What is your plan? And I don't think that's a weird thing to ask. Now, as for Senator Lindsey Graham, he he actually did uh, say, um, we got to respond to these people, including shooting down of, of Russian jets. We should shoot down, gun down any Russian warplane that approaches an American asset in the airways over international waters. What would Ronald Reagan do right now? He would start shooting Russian planes down if they were threatening our assets. American foreign policy is in free fall. I find myself in agreement with the concept. 
I find myself in agreement with Lindsey Graham that we do not have a strong front to the rest of the globe that our foreign policy is not one of a projection of strength. Now, we can talk about being reserved. We can talk about, remember when uh, the, the Iranians took down a U.S. drone, I think it was in Saudi Arabia or somewhere else, and people say, oh my gosh, Trump's gonna, gonna react, he's gonna overreact, it's gonna be World War III, this and that, and Trump did nothing. Trump did not respond at all. He barely said hello. Hello. Hey, sir, just talking about you. Barely said hello. Barely said boo. Sometimes the proper response is no response. Sometimes it's not necessary. And normally these things, uh, these incursions, do happen. The Russians like to test constantly and consistently. I mean, they're they're low life jerk faces. They are what they are. Uh, Vladimir Putin is a. Uh, I don't know if I could say it on air. I don't know if I could. I don't know what the rule. You know what? I won't. And we'll just. You, I'll pretend you know exactly what I'm, what I'm talking about. I I will be. We'll like we'll mind meld, and then you'll know exactly where I'm at. But the. The going after the drone is different. Not only did they engage the provocation that knocked down the drone, now they're going to try and go get it. Am I the only person who thinks that's different? That is a part two. As the reporting goes, Russians moved immediately to send in ships to search the debris field of where this went down. There is, again, no confidence that the Russians will actually be able to obtain this thing if it is really sunk to the depths that they believe it has. But if they were Johnny on the spot, maybe I have to rethink an entire position that they didn't do this by accident. They didn't do this because they're incompetent boobs. They did this because they wanted to see if they could. They did this because why not? Did this to see if they can draw the United States into some further level of conflict regarding Ukraine to then make it acceptable to look to China and ask for help? To then try and engage in, in, a, in a shift of world opinion, which I don't know how you're going to do with Europe because they all realize, oh yeah, Vladimir Putin's a real problem. He's got to go. Then again, what's the policy plan from Joe Biden regarding this? I, I'm going to speak to Noah Rothman of National Review uh, about this. And, and that whole Ron DeSantis answer, that Ron DeSantis answer uh, about Ukraine where he... Um, said uh, that um, we should not become, quote, further entangled in a territorial dispute between Ukraine and Russia. That's not something we should be doing, territorial dispute. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a misstep from, from Ron DeSantis. I, I'd be clear, I'd tell that to anybody. There's a misstep. There is a cadre of, 
of bloggers and and social media people and 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 super smart people who now all live in Florida and they they like created their own like kitchen cabinet if you will of of DeSantis supporters and I'm not angry with a single one of them but if they want to tell me that this wasn't a mistake I would laugh in their face in front of their mother and their sister that was a mistake from Ron DeSantis that's what it was he's gonna he's gonna have to explain himself here. And then this, this, uh, the next day after this, this statement, you get Chip Roy, the congressman from Texas, going all in on DeSantis, uh, putting out a statement, the next president of the United States must be a vibrant and energetic leader with the faith, vision, and courage to chart a new course. America needs a leader who will truly defend her and empower the people against the destructive force of unrestrained government corporate excess, profligate spending, and woke cultural indoctrination. That leader is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Just bam, right out there. So now, I'm, I'm and I've already seen this, and you, if you follow me on social media at Tony Katz, you've already seen me uh, go to town on this one. You've got people out there calling uh, Chip Roy a rhino. You sound crazy. You sound crazy chip roy nah nah if 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 you're going after chip roy you're doing this whole winning the presidency thing wrong uh again idol worship yeah desantis is gonna take that one on the chin what he said about ukraine he's gonna have to explain the positioning but back to russia I've got Jeremy on Twitter um, saying this has been planned for a while, and he and he puts out the following theory. Russia says if you shoot down our balloon, we will shoot down one of your spy drones as well. But it wasn't a Russian balloon. It was a Chinese balloon. So you'd have to be arguing that they took down a drone by hitting it to help in a retaliation for the Chinese, well, now you're playing a bunch of 8D chess that I don't know how to work with. Jack wants to know what difference does a drone make? They didn't care about the tanks, helicopters, and all kinds of weapons they left in Afghanistan. This is absolutely true. We left billions of dollars of hardware in Afghanistan, and of course the Russians and the Chinese have been reverse engineering uh, these things, the Taliban have been selling it, etc., the drone is different because it wasn't just dropped into their lap. They had to engage in action. And the part that bothers me is that they believe they can get away with an action, and it turns out they can. So this is why I say I don't know if I'm shooting missiles at people. But the idea of the Russians saying, we're going to go get this thing and sending ships out. The lack of United States response in this instance, not in every instance, but in this one, this bothers me. This, I think, is a mistake. The question is, will it lead to another one? And what could that be? More to get to. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So you hear me often talk about how you have to be fully engaged in what your kids are doing. You have to be fully engaged 
in what schools are doing. And certainly, you can't just sit idly by when, for example, uh, the Department of Justice refers to parents as domestic terrorists. You can't sit idly by when you're seeing what's happening with schools and say to yourself, well, this is fine. This is all just fine. This is, as Marcellus Wallace would say, pretty blank and far from okay. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Well, the fight has changed and the fight has grown and actually gotten better. And one of the reasons people are much more inclined to stand up now than they were just a year ago, because what they have found is that more and more people are thinking like they do, or at least maybe better said, they have been able to say things and find those who connect with them. March 21st, down in Texas, the Parent Empowerment Day with Governor Greg Abbott. This is being put on in conjunction with the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Corey DeAngelis joins me right now at the federationforchildren.org. That's where you find him, federationforchildren.org. And he has been one of the people extremely proactive in this idea that you fund students, not systems, and that parents do indeed have a say in their kids' education. Corey DeAngelis joins me right now. Living uh, in Texas now as you are, is that what makes you part of this event, or is this a group that you've been working with on these subjects of how do you get parents in a place where they're able to speak better? I've been working with TPPF for a while, uh, but I, yes, I also am a Texas resident, and I grew up in Texas, went to Texas public schools all through K through 12. I uh, went to the University of Texas at San Antonio for a couple of degrees. I, I had a stint in D.C. For, for about five years, but now I'm back uh, in my home state of Texas, and so this is personal to me, uh, but also I've been pushing for school choice all across the country, and we've been winning. Uh, the wind is at our backs. Uh, we've, we've had basically five states now, Arkansas, West Virginia, Iowa, Utah, uh, and uh, uh, five states now that have gone all in on school choice uh, in the past two years. Uh, So we've basically had a universal school choice revolution that has ignited since 2021. And it's the teachers union's own fault for overplaying their hand and, and awakening parents to the problems of the public school system. Uh, A lot of families who thought that their kids were in good public schools when the schools closed started to see that, well, the the school's curriculum wasn't aligned with their values, which is a much more uh, uh, mobilizing factor for parents than something that could be captured uh, by a standardized test. So when we talk about this, and and I often go out of my way to engage a distinction that we're not talking about all teachers, and we're not talking about all administrators, but certainly we have this connective tissue that the that education as a whole, and you have had many run-ins with Randy Weingarten, uh, the president of the American Federation uh, of Teachers, uh, that as a whole, there's a real problem here, and, and it comes with or starts in this place where teachers and administrators believe that they're in charge and there is no role for parents at all. Is that what you've come across? Yeah, I mean, the teachers union bosses believe that your children and the money meant for educating them belong to their, their institutions that they staff, the government-run schools. But the reality is education funding is meant for educating the child not for propping up and protecting a particular institution, whether that's a public institution or a private institution, the money should follow the student. The kids don't belong to the government or their institutions that they run. They belong to their parents and parents are in the best position to make the best decisions for their own kids 
when it comes to their education. And that, that still could be the government run public school. If you, if you like your public school, you can keep your public school. Uh, but if not, with all of these school choice proposals, you can also choose to take that same funding that would have followed your child to their residentially assigned school. You now have the option to take that to a private school, a charter school, or a home-based education option. It's, it's fantastic to see all of the victories that we're seeing across the country. In 2021, we called it the year of school choice because we had 19 states expand or enact, enact programs to fund students as opposed to systems. In 2022, that's when we had Arizona as the first state going all in, allowing every family, regardless of background, to qualify. And then in 2023, we've already seen three states go universal. So 2023 is already another record-setting year for school choice. So we're seeing bigger proposals than we've seen in the past, and it's 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 really fabulous to to, to see unfolding. Uh, the wind is at our backs. Talking to Corey DeAngelis, Federation for Children, federationforchildren.org. You also do work at the Educational Freedom Institute, where you're the executive director. And I often forget uh, that your uh, doctor, Corey DeAngelis, PhD. (laughs) Before we get into this thing going on with Texas, and that really leads to a conversation about what other states are doing and not doing, you take hit after hit after hit on this subject as someone who you're, you're not an educator. You don't know your doctorate is in education policy from the <laughs> university of Arkansas. Uh, so yeah, yeah, people, but, but to be, go ahead. To be clear, I'm not a real doctor. I'm more like a Jill Biden doctor. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there are <laughs> grades, a, gradations of this, <laughs> but, like, but you, you take these weird hits from people as in how dare you talk about these things as if not yeah. only are you not qualified, but you're not allowed. Dig in with me for a moment here on that elitism kind of take where you have teachers, administrators, others who say, how dare you, whether it be you, Corey yeah. DeAngelis, or really, how dare you, the parent, think that you should have a say? You were getting into it a little bit. I want to dig in further about how right. you respond to it and how you offer up others respond to that push. Yeah. So one of my first responses, yes, I do have a PhD in education policy, uh, but it's not even a legitimate argument. I mean, it's like, do you need to be part of the problem to fix the problem? That doesn't make any sense. And then... Uh, <laughs> Uh, look, I mean, Milton Friedman said it best when he responded to a heckler that went down the same uh, line of reasoning in, in one of his videos where Milton Friedman said, it, you know, if you had cancer, would you deny treatment from a doctor unless that doctor had cancer himself? Of course not. It, 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 it just, it's a totally nonsensical argument. You take, you, you take the advice or, or the logical arguments for, for what they are, not based on the background of a person. It, it, it's, it's a basic ad hominem attack. They're trying to use anything they can to silence uh, uh, anyone who, who, who argues for a policy they don't like. And so instead of using logic, they're resorting to uh, logical fallacies. It's all they have. I mean, they don't have any legitimate arguments a- against funding the student as opposed to the system. So they have to do things like this. The other thing that, that I've gotten is they'll say, well, you don't live here, so how can you make this argument? You don't right. live here. It's like, well, is the argument a good argument or not? It's a fantastic argument that I put forward. That's why they have to resort to why don't you, you know you don't live here? And they even tried to do that in Texas. There was a representative from Austin, Texas, 
And she had, had said, I know you don't live in Texas. And I responded saying, actually, I do. And I, and, and I grew up here. And then she responded by doubling down by saying, no, uh, you just moved here for a job to defund public schools. And I responded by saying, no, I lived here most of my life. Uh, I got two degrees from UTSA. I, I attended public schools all through K through 12. I didn't move here for a new job. And uh, Twitter actually put a community note on both of those tweets from the representative from Texas, uh, uh, labeling it basically as misinformation. I, I do love a good community note. Nothing makes me happier when I get to, to do that. Talking to Corey DeAngelis, Dr. Corey DeAngelis, and you can find more of his work at federationforchildren.org. But in Texas, uh, this is next week, the parent, sorry, the Parent Empowerment Day with Governor Greg Abbott. It's an all-day affair. What's happening inside the Texas State Capitol on the North Capitol steps? What's going to be happening? And what approach has Governor Abbott taken that maybe other governors haven't? Abbott has been leading the way on school choice this year. It's, it's absolutely amazing. He's been going to different cities for this Parent Empowerment Tour pushing for school choice. During his state of the state recently, he put universal school choice for all families as an emergency item. Uh, so he's really, he even campaigned on the issue, won on the issue. And Governor Abbott has just been calling on the legislature and, and calling for support for school choice policy. That's, that's what we need from all Republican governors. This is a Republican Party platform issue. In Texas, it's a top eight Texas GOP uh, uh, issue, this the legislative session. And in Texas, they actually put the, uh, a school choice ballot proposition on the Texas Republican primary ballot. And they found 88% of Texas Republican primary voters supporting school choice which was up nine percentage points since they last put it on the Republican primary ballot in Texas in 2018. So it went from 79% support, which is still high, right. all the way up to 88% support in just a few years. And this is, uh, there's, this has been a, a, a ton of um, support uh, that has been on the rise. There's, there's so much momentum for this. Georgia did something on the Republican primary ballot as well, si similarly finding significant shifts in favor of school choice among Republicans, does, does uh, primary support, voters in the state. I, I don't mean to interrupt because I do want to talk more about what Texas is doing, but does, does the support come from the idea that they believe public education has failed them? Or does it come from the idea that they really believe my kid would be better off if I could just move them over there? It depends on the person, but I think the the significant shift has been a values-based argument for school choice, that families are currently sending their kids to institutions where they feel like they're being brainwashed. Uh, they thought the, the, the schools were focused on education, but a lot of them are focused on indoctrination, and parents just want their kids to, to, to be raised in a way that's aligned with their values, and they want them to to learn the basics as well at school, but the, a lot, so many public schools are not teaching kids in ways that are aligned with families' values, and so they want something different. Uh, Vody Bauckham said it best. Uh, we cannot continue to send our children to Caesar for their education and be surprised when they come home as Romans. And what I think is unfolded here is that the parents are no longer surprised. They, right. they you know, standardized test scores weren't the only metric of quality. 
And now they're saying there's a more important dimension here, which is whether the school's curriculum aligns with their values. They want to, parents want to raise their kids in, in, in ways that are aligned with their own values, um, not in values that are in conflict with what's going on at home. You talk about how this played in a Texas Republican uh, primary as, as the level of support. Am I to believe that there's no Democratic support for the idea of school choice and funding students, not systems? Or is there a difference between Democratic support and people? The, the, the Democratic yes. Party needs that union dollar more than oxygen so they can never support yeah. such a thing. Is that what we're seeing? Yeah, it wasn't on the Texas Democrat primary ballot for a reason. They probably understood that you know, their elected officials are voting against it, but their primary voters probably support it. And in fact, if you look at the latest polling from Texas, from the University of Houston, UT Austin, UT Tyler, uh, uh, Dallas Morning News did a poll. these, these polls consistently find that across party lines, there's either plurality or majority support for school choice in the state of Texas. Real Clear Opinion Research polling did, did a similar poll and broke it down by party lines in 2022, nationwide finding supermajority support among Republicans, Democrats, and independents when it comes to the voters. The problem is that Randy Weingarten, for example, and her union, the American Federation of Teachers, disproportionately, almost unanimously, give their funding to Democrats. 99.97% of campaign contributions from Randy Weingarten's union went to Democrats in 2022. So it puts elected officials in a tough position who are backed by the Democratic Party and the teachers unions to vote for for what their actual constituents want, the voters, parents, uh, which is school choice. But there are a couple of defections that have happened recently. In Nebraska, there are three Democrats um, senators in their unicameral that have co-sponsored and voted for uh, their school choice bill in Nebraska, Justin Wayne, Terrell McKinney, and uh, and one other Democratic co-sponsor right. over there. And uh, there's there's been some other defectors, but it, it, for the most part, it has been Republican um Republican politicians in state houses that have supported school choice. Most of the opposition has come from Democrats. In Texas, for example, the Democratic House, uh, the, the, the chair of the, te- the Texas House Democrats um, said that, that if Governor Abbott's um, goal or dream is to have school choice for all families, they said, quote, that they would be his worst nightmare. And that, that same chair of the Texas House Democrats went to a private school, and he also sent his kids to private school, yet he opposes it for lower-income families in the state of Texas. I think that's hypocritical. Uh, I don't blame any families for, for, for benefiting from private education or choosing that for their kids, but they shouldn't turn around and fight against that opportunity for, the, for other families. Uh, unions before kids, which is why you discuss funding students Instead of systems, Corey DeAngelis, uh, you can find his work at federationforchildren.org, where he is a senior fellow, also the executive director of the Educational Freedom Institute. And if you happen to be uh, in Austin, uh, the Texas Public Policy Foundation, Texas Public Policy Foundation, uh, Texas State Capitol at the North Capitol Steps, the Parent Empowerment Day, they're doing it with Governor Greg Abbott. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Corey Moore is coming up. I'm Tony Katz.